We did it, my friends, my fellow tribe. Lo and behold, we did it. Here we are, episode number 100. They said it wouldn't make one, let alone 10, let alone triple digits, baby. Come on, can you imagine? Episode 100. I mean, candidly, sit back, relax, think about this. I will have interviewed 100 brilliant, industry-shaking, life-altering, career-making individuals who have spent time with me, let alone me, and actually shared their wisdom, shared a few laughs, had a few debates, uh, and it just, along the way, made a ton of new friends. It's crazy. Now, admittedly, it's probably not a hundred individuals because we have had the occasional guests on more than once. And that's often due to popular demand. And it's it's so funny because I'll have people come up to me, uh, whether we're out and about, we're at a trade show when those things used to happen, or even talking online, and they're like, Man, how is it you know what you know about sales? And I'm like, dude. I'm stupid. You need to understand this. I am not a bright cookie. I am not I am not gifted in the knowledge of sales. But what I am is I'm able to have a conversation with people who are. So whenever you hear me talking about sales, you need to know if you're not clear on this already that I am simply repeating, regurgitating, uh, reissuing, resharing content that I've heard from them. And, uh, and I have been blessed along the way. So if you're not aware, uh, I actually reached out on LinkedIn not too long ago and I said, kids, guys and gals, friends, those in the community, I'm about to do episode number 100. What shall we do to celebrate this amazing milestone? How shall we approach this? Different format, different guests, different construct. What do we want to do? And overwhelmingly, I had a number of people saying, Daryl, you spent all this time interviewing all these people. Let's turn the tables for episode 100. Why don't you be interviewed? And I thought to myself, hmm, that's interesting. And I went home to my wife and I said, do you want to interview me? She's like, I don't know a damn thing about sales. And I said, I know, but that's part of the term. And as you imagine, the answer there was no. So she, <laughs> my wife said, no. Uh, so I said, okay, fair enough. So then I said, okay, who do I want to interview me? Someone I trust, someone I respect, someone I think will have a lot of fun and celebrate this uh, event with us. And candidly, it goes back to the most popular guest we've ever had here on the show. I believe this will be appearance number four for him. Nobody else is like, I think the closest is, is others. A few have appeared twice. This will be appearance number four. That's because you guys love him. And because you guys love him, I reached out to him recently and I said, dude, I need to be interviewed. Do you want to do it? And his response was, I've never interviewed somebody unless I'm trying to approach them for a sales role. And I said, well, you can interview me. So we're going to wing this together, folks. Across the pond, joining us today live from the studios at his fine home, wearing his trademark red cap, his red braces, what we call suspenders, and his, I don't know, is it a plaid lumber jacket shirt? I'm going to now pass control over to this fine production to my good friend, the UK's most hated sales trainer, Benjamin Dennehy. My friend, welcome to the show. Uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'd like to say, I would like to say that to be asked to interview you on your 100th is, you know, it's a real honor. 
That's what I'd like to say, but unfortunately, <laughs> I, <it's not. laughs> I was waiting for the other shoe to fall. I knew it was going to happen. Like a, it feels more like a bail application hearing over Zoom. Uh, yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that far off, I think. Oh, what did you? Yeah. This is like your 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 penance. You've you've done some ill, just some some ill-gotten things, and now you have to interview me. Yeah, this is what happens when you kill fairies in a previous life. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, then, are you up to the task, or are you just going to wait like you always do? All right, I, I, I want to see it. I'm, I'm have, I've got high expectations. Well, if you would just shut up for a bit and let the guy who's supposed to be doing the questioning actually ask something. Um, in fact, it's funny because when I found out that I was going to do this, I, I asked people, you know, what should I do when I interviewed Daryl? What, what what sort of questions should I ask him? And people said questions where he only has to give one word answers because frankly if you ever watch one of daryl's shows you know that he probably talks more than the very person he's interviewing but that's why we love him and that's why we're here today we want to find out a little bit more about the person behind the voice we want to find a little bit more out about him and i've i, I i'm gonna be honest daryl i can't remember when we first crossed paths it's in the last three years four years it's purely through linkedin and somehow I don't form a lot of friendships. I generally hate people, but Daryl is one of the, the few people from LinkedIn where we've managed to form an offline sort of bond and relationship, one that we isn't just purely, um, you know, transactional. So it, I am really pleased to be here. So why don't I start off with my first question? And I ask this of everybody in sales, because I, I like to know, and I get asked it, how on earth did you get into this, Daryl? No one at school wanted to be in the sales. This is, well, the odd two or three, so don't write us if it was you, but most of us didn't. So how is it that you found yourself to be in sales and have rather brilliantly managed to escalate your career all the way up to chief revenue officer? So tell us a bit of that, paint that picture for us. Uh, candidly, I, I've shared this with a few people before. I am a computer programmer by trade, a systems guy. But when I finished school, I finished university, I was like, I, I'm so burnt out of coding and being a developer. I don't want to do it anymore. What do I do? And I had zero idea of what to do. And I asked friends and family and, and they all said, uh, you should try sales. Now, I don't think they suggested I should try sales because they said, Daryl, you're a natural born salesperson. I think what it was, was at least back in that era, especially, it was, uh, we don't know what to do with your career. So when all else fails, go into sales. And that was how I got my first taste of sales. And I lasted six months selling photocopiers door to door. And when, when I came to my senses and I said, this is bloody hard. I don't, I'm not having fun. And I went back and I started coding again for the next uh, four or five years. Uh, but here I am. I eventually, it drew me back eventually. Right. And so let me ask you this thing, because there's always this argument going on. I was actually recently accused of being a good marketeer, and I, I commented I didn't realize I'd stooped that low. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you is, are you a salesman or a marketer? Which do you see yourself more as, and why? Okay, that's a really good question. And I'll be candid. It's funny you say that, because that has been something that I have been revisiting, if you will, since being appointed CRO here at VanillaSoft, uh, because clearly I own all sales and marketing and I'm in, I'm responsible for the number. Um, I have spent so many years, much more so as a marketer than as a salesperson. If I had to choose, I default 
to marketing. However, the difference is I would I would give you a third answer, neither sales nor marketing. And this is the honest to goodness truth, because the two occupations and disciplines have have merged so much over the last several years. I view myself as a revenue guy, you know, and I understand that both have a role to play and I understand the roles. I understand them well. So I, I tend not to take a sales side or a marketing side uh, these last several months. I, I'm the revenue guy, which but yeah, if, if you get me at a pub with a few pints into me and I look around me and I see there's no cameras and there's no recording devices going on, I would probably say I, I, I do I do bias to the marketing side. Uh, I, I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So tell me this thing. You've recently been appointed uh, CRO, um, yep. which I yet to ask you what, what that stood for, because it sounded like a made up title. Um, <laughs> it's apparently it's chief, real, folks. It's a real title, Chief, chief Revenue Officer. Officer. That's right. Clearly yes. created by someone in marketing because it doesn't actually say anything. Absolutely. So, We're not stupid. But yes, go ahead. So how has your life changed? What are you doing differently on a day-to-day -day basis that you weren't doing when you were chief gob for I was, I was chief marketing officer and now I'm chief revenue officer. Oh, Still, just, right, yeah, right, there we go. CMO. There are CMO. That's okay. It's just the marketing guy and now I'm the sales guy. Um, I, it's, that's a really interesting question. So, because I get asked that, I I got asked that again, again even last night. We had friends uh, over to steal our internet because theirs was out and they had some online learning to do. And from a social distance, we were talking with one another, and they asked that, "How's your life changed?" And I said, "I've never been as busy as I've been in my entire life uh, since this job came on." And which is hard to believe because candidly, I worked crazy hours. I worked a lot of hours. I did a lot of stuff, and I thought I couldn't possibly get more busy that the fact of the matter is lo and behold i could and i have so that's the first part has changed the other part's changed uh now this is you i would look i would love to get your answer on this your insights on this one how it's changed for me is i now view myself as a psychotherapist which i didn't do that before and i was a cmo so what do i mean by that i mean my sales team have the tools they have the techniques, they have the processes, they have everything they need to succeed. And those who aren't succeeding or achieving their maximum potential, it's just between their ears. That's where the problem is. And so I find myself nonstop thinking about what do I need to do to, to change their mindset, to change their approach, to build their confidence, to build upon uh, in the little incremental wins, which is bizarre. Because I never thought it before. It was like, you know, what campaign do I need to do? And how do I do yeah. this? And how do I get yeah. Benjamin Denhe on my show so I get his audience to get exposed to my brand and blah, blah, blah. So very. that's probably the, the two ways, working ah. harder. And now I'm a psychotherapist. Well, welcome to my world. Uh, I, I'm not a sales trainer. I am a therapist. I'm an actor and I'm a communications coach. Um, sometimes there's a bit of selling in there. But yet most of your time is spent dealing with the head trash that salespeople bring you that prevents them from doing what they're meant to do. I yeah, think for every totally. dollar you pay them in Canadian, you get about 80 cents worth of head trash. So it's And I, I'll be honest with you. I've actually reached out to some of my colleagues in this space and I've said to yeah. them, is this normal? And, uh, and, and they're, cause I'm like, you know, it's been a few years for me and, and is this normal? And they're like, yeah. In fact, it was really interesting was I was having this whole conversation with people about do I let you know certain reps go or not because I see you know this might they may not get past their own you know mental obstacles, and um, 
And the response was, oh, no, no, it's just sales, Daryl. You get used to it. And I, and, and I still struggle with that. I, I, I think a lot of sales leaders today accept mediocre performance because they think that's just sales. And I cry bullshit on that. But that's just my opinion. No, I, I totally agree. And a lot of sales managers don't know how to fix it. Um, uh, just to talk about me briefly, because I don't do that a lot, but the, the, the people that hate me the most within any organization are the sales directors or managers. Uh, because I'm doing the job that they're meant to be doing. Uh, and when a managing director or CEO realizes, why is he doing what you're meant to do? They suddenly become superfluous. Those people never reach out to me, believe it or not. Sales directors or sales managers. Yeah. So That, that doesn't shock me because it's true, right? The, in the Because that's the first reaction. Aren't I paying you to do this? Why do I need to hire a consultant to do your job? And that's a valid point. Yeah. And why do we put up with this? He's right. Why, why, why do we put up with this? And the sales director goes, well, you know, you got to give them a bit of time. It's been three years. Yes. I had a conversation with my CEO the other day saying, you know, expert A says that this is the way it is. Expert B says we may want to do these little tweaks. And then expert C says something in between. And I'm looking at that and and and, and he's, you know, he's asking me, he's legitimately asking me because of the new role, you know, there, how's it going? You know, what's consuming your time? What's on your mind? What's what's bothering you? You know, he's, he's checking in with me. It's just what he's supposed to do. And I say to him, I said, I'm spending a lot of freaking time being introspective, trying to figure crap out. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I had this conversation and I'm like, so do I listen to expert A or expert B or expert PC? Because, you know, they're way more famous, way more accomplished sales, listen you know, mavens in this. And, and I'm like, I disagree with them all. And I said, and this is where I'm at. In the end, I've had any success I've had is because I did listen to my gut. And my gut says I've taken their input. I and maybe I've tweaked my position, but I'm going with my gut because it's never let me down. All right. So okay, so let's 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 move okay, on. No, now, okay, you okay, before no, whoa, 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 wait. before you move whoa, on, whoa. Be whoa, whoa, before you move on, just before you move on, we're gonna go for commercial break. We'll be right back. See, you all thought I was going to give him a hard time. No, we got to pay the bills here, folks. But we're back. Over to you, Benjamin. Right. So, moving on. You are known. In fact, it's ubiquitous with you and the internet and LinkedIn that you are known for giving advice. And every now and then, it's actually good. So, <laughs> let me ask you this. Who do you turn to for advice? Who do you go to for guidance? Oh wow! Oh wow! Oh my! Oh my! That's a brilliant question. Who wrote that for you? Because you didn't sure as hell come up with it. Um, I've got a handful of people on the marketing side. Uh, there's people like Neil Patel, Sanger Vajre. Uh, I was on the phone the other day, literally yesterday, uh, with a guy named James Gilbert. If you haven't met James, look him up. He's incredible. Um, that's on the marketing side. On the sales side, I have an eclectic. I have an eclectic number of people. I have Benjamin, as you know here. I have Randy okay. Ramirezma. Um, I have Scott Lease. And what's interesting is if you look at Benjamin and Scott Lease, there's a good example, right? Scott is like this surf and sun bum who's a kind of laid back, really, really probably liberal socialist leaning. And you got Benjamin who's like in your face, the most hated training, a little more, let's call it conservative. Um, so yeah, that's my point I'm trying to make here is 
I have a diverse set of friends because they're all damn smart at what they do. But these are people that I can pick up the phone anytime and have. Literally, mm. before I took the job, I reached out to the vast majority of these people and I said, they've offered me this job. What do you think? What would my plan be? And that's that imposter syndrome coming up where I'm going, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this job. I don't know if I have the skill set. So for the love of God, coach me. And then the last thing I do, and I laugh because I made a post the other night on uh, LinkedIn or it was my first LinkedIn story. And I had a picture, a whole bunch of stuff that I was uh, reading. And I said, you know, bedtime reading, whatever. And someone said to me and they said, where did you get all this research? This is amazing. And I said, okay, I did this thing called Google. And they were like, no way. And I'm like, yes. And uh, so, you know, Google is also a trusted advisor, just so you know. Okay, well, that's a great answer. And let me ask you this. What is the worst piece of advice you've been given in your career? Other than become CRO. Oh, yeah. So that is definitely a bad piece. This is a short-term gig now once I took that job. Um, The worst piece of advice I ever was given. I don't know if I was given, like, terrible advice ever i and i know what it was i know i know what it was and it was given to me many times by many people okay worst piece of advice just let it go just you can't change it just accept it it is what it is as donald trump likes to say it is what it is and that's bullshit (laughs) because you know if you let it go you become one of the minions now i want to be clear here you need to be smart you need to pick and choose all right as i like to say to my wife when she gets upset with our kids i'll say is this the hill you want to die on some hills you know it's okay to retreat you know lose a battle to win the war and you've got to be a little shrewd about that but just to let it go and accept it as status quo i refuse to accept that and if i had have accepted that over and over again i never would have had the success i had one of the things i told my Two, but both of my kids are now young adults in the workforce, and they've come back mm. and they said to me, Dad, it was the best advice ever, was I said, stop waiting for permission to do something. If you know something needs to be done, just freaking do it. Then go to your boss and say, I did it. Don't yell at me, but here's the results of my doing it, and it's pretty damn good. And I said, trust me, they will take note of you when you show them the results. Whereas if you asked for permission, they would have said no. So, Yeah. Don't accept it. That's my that's that's my answer. That's a good answer. I mean, surprisingly, from you too. So um, I know, I know. It's, 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 I'm it's trying to behave to myself. You. It's killing me. I I, know, I, 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 I want to be in control, but you're in control. I know. It's, it's it must be hard for you talking so less in an interview. <laughs> what are the odds? So um, let me ask you this question then. Uh, you're in a pretty nice, easy business. You sell software. It's 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 at the dot. We all know that. Um, and I'll be honest, I originally thought you sold ice cream, as I think most people do. Yes. Um, but what are the biggest challenges? Because you obviously, you sell a software, and there's a lot of competing products out there that say they do something similar. So what are the biggest challenges in a what I would suspect is a fairly crowded and competitive marketplace? Okay. What is uh, it that you see as your biggest challenge as a CRO? Whether that's uh, if your bias is towards sales, your bias is towards marketing, the challenge is the same. And this one is what keeps me up at night. And it's what's it's it's what's caused my entire strategy since I joined the company, which is in every single industry, there's only one or two leaders and everybody else is a contender or even worse, you know, a wannabe or a niche or call it what you will. But basically, there's only two leaders. So my biggest challenge as a CRO is how do I compete 
when you're not the acknowledged leader, when you're not Coke and you're not Pepsi, how do you enter the race and actually drive new business and acquire market share? And and because what's working against you are so many things. The investing, the investment community wants the leaders to win because they've got money on them to succeed. All right, so that influence is happening. The brand is known and people want to minimize risk so they choose the brand they perceive as less risky even though the product may not be as good. Because they have the funding, they've acquired some market share. Now market share can be changed, but in the in this near term, they've got a hell of a lot more customers than you have. That creates a loyal following. So even when the renewal process comes around, it's not so much that you're winning the business as they're possibly losing the business because of bad customer service or what have you. So how do you make sure that you're top of mind to be considered uh, at that renewal stage? How do you compete when you don't have enough money? How do you compete when your brand is an afterthought? That's been my biggest challenge. And over and over again, the only way for us to do that, especially in this time and era, is through personal branding and noise. So you talk about, you know, I'm, I'm known as the guy who has advice. That's brilliant because that was a total tactic to say, I can't outspend my competition, but I can out. I can outbrand them. I can out social them. I can out content them. I can out influence them because all of that costs nickels, dimes, like nothing. It's dirt cheap. But uh, but I know I can't I can't hire more employees. I can't throw gobs and gobs of money at Gartner and Forrester. I can't be the premier platinum sponsor at every single trade show. I can't have an advertisement on every single publication. I can't do that. So I'm a contender trying to survive in a field dominated by a handful of leaders, and that's what makes my life hell sometimes. Also makes it fun, because you get to try stuff you wouldn't normally do. Well, I'll tell you what, that sounded like the most scripted, rehearsed CRO <laughs> slash marketing <laughs> officer spiel I've ever heard. Crikey. I mean, that, that, that works in board meetings, folks, but... I'll tell you, I'll give you some free advice. How do you compete yes. in a crowded competitive marketplace where you're not market leader? It's very easy. It's just hard to learn to do. It's ask better questions. And your prospects will discover very quickly that you do a better job than their competitors. No fancy marketing, no sponsorship, no days away at some guru. Just learn how to ask better questions and get your prospects to realize they need what you have. That's a skill. It can be learned. It's, in fact, it's what I spend my life teaching people to do. So when I'm in Canada. So are, 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 just before you leave that topic, are you suggesting yeah. that we should hire you, but we shouldn't judge you based on your interviewing skills, but you're better at the, that other thing you claim to do than this thing you're doing now? I just... don't think your Canadian dollars could afford the British pound. <laughs> we can t I have a substantial UK staff. I want you to know that they all love right, me, well, even though they, te they tease me on my outs and my abouts. So there you go. Well, I'll tell you what, if you qualify, if you pass my test and I'm happy to work with you and I'll let you know. I love it. Okay. I, and your test is simply, can you cut a check? Isn't that the sum total of your check of your test? No, no. You've got to convince me you can change. But like I oh, say, with therapy. Oh, I love that. Cause let's explore that for a second. You got to convince me you can change. I You've mean, got to convince me you can change. And that's no different than me saying I spend my time being a psychotherapist and I and I look at my reps yeah. and I say, can you change? I'm not, I'm not convinced me. some of them can. No. How do you do and that? This is it. If, 
If they can't convince you, um, then it's no point. The first step, if you want to do this, seriously, if we were to work together, the first thing I'd say is ask your guys to pay towards their own training. The ones that refuse don't want to change. It's that simple. I love this. I love love. And I've yeah. I've actually, I've, I've shared, because I know you've shared that story with me before, about that's one of the questions mm. you've asked. And I've shared that yeah. with others. And I even gave you attribution. Because um, I'm a big... I'm a big advocate to say you have to invest in your own career. I've done it over and over and over again. Yeah. I, I buy my own gear. I buy my own technology. I buy my own yeah. courseware yeah. Uh, because I am my own mini business. And if you sit around yeah. waiting for your employer to make you successful, you're already, yeah. you've already lost. So I agree with you, but, and I've said this to you folks before, I know I'm taking over the show again. I'm sorry here. Earning, learning is earning. You've got to invest in yourself. Okay, I shut up. Back over to you. You're the interviewer. Interview away. Oh, by the way, I should warn All you. Right. We're down to about. We're down to less than five minutes, my friend. Just so you know. Oh, for those of you listening at home, those are wonderful words, aren't they? Just to hear that sound. There's <laughs> only five more minutes of having to listen to Daryl waffle on. Well, anyway, waffle on we shall. Which, by the way, isn't that the Canadian dish waffles? Oh no, that'd be more of the International House of Pancakes, I think, in the U.S. But we're but we are oh, right. maple syrup would be the, you know the condiment maple that goes syrup. on that dish. Yes, and to all, all the listeners, I'll let you in on a secret. I actually do import my maple syrup from Canada. I won't oh, buy the stuff man. that's on the shelves in England. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're a wise man. So, couple more questions then. If you were to go back and see your little eighteen-year-old self. What advice would you give him? That's a really good question. Um, so I'd give him a couple things, and this is going to sound trite, but it, it is true. I'm 53 today, folks, so you did the math. Happy that birthday. Oh, not today, today, but as of this recording, oh. I'm 53. But about a month ago, it was my birthday, back. so thank you. So that would be like, what, you know, 35 years ago. I, I mean, I was a very different person back then, um, and you changed so much with every decade. To Going back to my 18-year-old self, I would say a couple things. I would say you have to believe in yourself because you're all you've got. That's number one. Number two, yeah. you have to get over any pride or ego you have and ask as many questions as you want to, and don't worry about sounding stupid. Ironically, you won't. They will respect you more. Just trust me on that one. Number three, it took me a long time to figure this out. Trust your gut. I made this mention before. If you think something's right, do it. Number four, take it, uh, take take risks. You never will have massive success unless you take massive risks. Number five, be prepared to fail. Dust yourself off, get up and do it again. Don't take stupid risks. They're calculated risks. But that means when I say calculated, that means if you fail, this is what's going to happen. So you have a plan. Um, and number seven, it would be surround yourself with really smart people. This is going to sound trite. Always hire people better at their skill than you are. Always hire people Which better at their skill. I can't imagine it's too tough for you. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things because we are so insecure and we, we so doubt our own abilities, yeah. yet we're so gifted as people. You just got to believe in yourself. And that's the honest to God truth. I mean, that was a great answer. I mean, it's almost verbatim the post I wrote the other day, what I'd say to my 18 year old self. So really? it's you're still reading. No, oh, I made that up. But it, oh, it's, 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 it's going to be a post <laughs> he's writing tomorrow. There we go. <laughs> it will be. Yeah. Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll end on this question then, because we, we, we know where you've come from. We know what you're doing. So the question is, where are you going to be in five years? What will Daryl oh. be doing? Who will Daryl be? 
I'll be a an ink stain on on the LinkedIn, you know, chron- chronicles. I'll be some. Remember that Prell guy? It wasn't he with the guy with the white hair and the beard. That was a lame beard. That beard sucked. And he had those stupid glasses. Yeah, talk to me. And they hung out with that really cool cat, Benjamin Dennehy. What happened to Dennehy? Oh, he's the prime minister of the UK now. Um, so that's what's going to happen in five years, I suspect. Uh, either that, or I will be blissfully retired and living in my trailer or my caravan you know just in, in traveling the world or i'll be a ceo of another high-tech startup so i don't have a full game plan but i have you know i have some thoughts but who the hell knows you know candidly i'm not thinking that far ahead i, I I'm, this, that's an honest truth i'm not thinking that far ahead but i mm. am i am giving myself options so on a statement when the job offer for cereal was given to me one of my considerations was well if i took the CRO position that would round up my resume and therefore if i wanted a ceo position after this gig ends for me now i've got you know the pedigree and the experience to actually get that so that was a, a natural honest to goodness factor in my decision of accepting the cro position doesn't mean i'll become the ceo but it means i now have an option to become a CEO. Mm. And that's what you should always be doing. So that's my five-year game plan. Uh, if, if if we're here doing episode number 500 and it's you and I again, then the oh, game plan is God. out the window and I suck. Yeah. Okay. And last question then, is there anyone you want to give a particular shout out to someone you just want to thank for all their support, their help and their guidance that has enabled you to become the silver fox that you are? This is going to sound trite, but my wife has been with me through thick and thin, good times and bad times, riches and poorness. Uh, you know, I can't tell you the hell she's gone through with me. And I don't know why she would do it. She's really funny and she's attractive and she could have anybody she wants to. I don't get it. So to her, I, I tip my hat and I thank her. And, uh, and, I, and she will probably listen to this and she'll get all misty-eyed and who knows me, but I'll get lucky. So there you go. Well, I think there's one person who I think you failed to mention who's long-suffering. I mean, long-suffering, and that's Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, the producer. I thought about mentioning him, but then I got to go through the whole team. Oh. Daniel, the producer you on show number it. 100. It's true. He is the he is the secret behind this. He edits out all of my bloopers. He yep. is the man. Um, and he, I got to tell you, folks, he how he puts up with me, I have no idea, because I'll come in last minute. I'll wing stuff. Like, this is how it's changed. I showed up like two minutes before this recording was supposed to start, and I walked in the studio. And there was a time in the early years when he would have been texting me and panicking me and calling me, are you coming? And now, like, now I don't get it because he just knows this is who I am. So, Daniel, big shout out. Could not done without him. I may be the guy in front of, this, of, of the camera, in front of the microphone, but Daniel's the guy who actually makes this thing rock every single week. Perfect. Well, then, on that note, congratulations on your 100th episode. Congratulations to all of those who've managed to get through this 25 minutes of listening to Daryl in overtime. Uh, and I'm sure all of us look forward to listening and hearing from you in the comments and in the reshares of this video. Thank you. And with that, we're out of here. Episode number 100 is in the books, folks. That's my friend Benjamin Dennehy. Give him a follow. He is the UK's most hated sales trainer. This is another week down of the Inside, Inside Sales Show. You take care.